coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. And a happy Monday. Thanks for tuning in, whether on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, or whichever your preferred podcast platform is. We do thank you for doing that. Today, another monumental day in the Cop City saga as public comment continuing. As a matter of fact, we go to studio. It is 50 minutes before the show actually airs. They are still talking, and I believe they're only into like the late 30s, early 40s as far as the number of speakers go. And I know that there were, again, hundreds who uh, lined up to speak and uh, more than 100 who had signed up. So it's going to be a long day, a long night. Uh, Our city councilmen, those that are there, are there to listen to the overwhelming majority, again, of those who are speaking against the Atlanta Public Safety Training Facility. Uh, I try to make sure that I'm not calling it Cop City or a police training facility because there will be uh, supposedly uh, some EMS and public safety aspects other than police. We understand that there's going to be a burn tower, so the fire department will have use of it as well. The first thing I'm going to point out is that the city of Atlanta's official Twitter account is sharing commentary from the hearing, from the public comments. Well, okay, let me let me back up. They're sharing two comments from today's public comment session before Atlanta City Council, and they're both pro cop city. Those are the only two they're sharing, but they're sharing them. So. I mean, let's do this. I'm going to go ahead and give you the audio from those two speakers. Here we go. Good afternoon. I am Deshaun Mardrum. I appreciate the arguments for and the arguments against the Public Safety Training Center. But let me be clear. I am for it. I ask the council to vote with your consensus and with the community's long-term interest I appreciate the mayor and declaring the 2023 year for the youth. He, our mayor, has come under ruthless and privileged attacks, Mm. but I am not here to defend him. His records of service speak for itself. And with the community behind him, could you hold just a second? Hold just a second. We have a lot of speakers today. Let's let everybody have their speech and move on. Appreciate it. He can cover the ground he walks on. I am here to thank the mayor for giving a voice to those without access to power or money and giving love and care to those who can't vote even for our youth. I thank him for his comprehensive approach to public safety with emphasis on prevention and unprecedented investments in our youth. Thank you for reading, for our reading program. Thank you for Midnight Basketball. Thank you for hiring 3,000 Atlanta youth at $15 an hour. Thank you for helping to raise 20 million for early education. And thank you for helping 700 mentors to help guide our youth. Mayor Dickens, your roots cause and approach does not go unnoticed, and we are unappreciative to the city, and we're here to say we thank you. 
Incidentally, if you are new to listening to these public comment sessions, specifically with Cop City in mind, you don't hear a whole lot of cheering or clapping or applauding because that's not welcome in these sessions. So you'll hear you'll hear a lot of finger snapping. You'll even hear some that's hissing. Uh, you may hear some grousing. You also can hear from outside the chamber where there are hundreds lining the rotunda. You can hear the cheering outside the halls. You can hear the booing as well. That's that's where you're getting that noise from. I just, just wanted to go ahead and give you a, a little background on what the audio you're hearing is. All right, here's the second. Again, there are two comments being shared on the official Twitter account for the city of Atlanta from today's public comment section, uh, session, which is still going on. Only two shares on the city of Atlanta's Twitter page. They're both pro-cop city. Here we go. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Keelion Boatley. In 2017, I was accepted to become a police officer. I was instructed to arrive at the APD Academy. I was underwhelmed when I arrived and observed an old rundown building. I had expected a department of this scale to be up to date with their training facility. I still gave it to the benefit of doubts in hopes that this wasn't the case, but unfortunately, I was wrong. My career began as a recruit, and I learned that this facility where we were receiving training was elementary school. And at one point, recruits were trained on one side, while children were learning on the other side. I then learned that the public school realized the facility was not in good conditions to teach children and left the property. During my time as a recruit, I learned that APD had cadre staff there that was extremely knowledgeable in every niche of policing. They had over 100 years of policing combined between the staff, which allowed them to lean on one another to help produce some of Atlanta's finest. I did notice that they had their hands tied when it came to being able to train us. There is no shortage of experience being shared with us, but a major aspect of this profession is being hands-on, which means we did a lot of training scenarios. This profession cannot just be taught in the classroom. You need to go through scenarios. I however did notice a lot of our scenarios were makeshifts, meaning that we had to play make-believe with our environment. Our training room was a small room. We had to pretend that when we went in that room, it was a house, apartment, or even a store. We needed to imagine that this is our environment during these um, scenarios because the staff had to work with what they had. During our traffic stop training, we had to use a field in a park because we had zero privacy to practice a traffic stop, which is one of the most dangerous things an officer will ever do in his or her career. When it came to learning how to operate a patrol car, we had to ask to use South Fulton PD EVOC track. To practice skid pad, we have to drive down to Forsyth, Georgia. Both these courses are state mandated, and because we don't have our own facility to operate these programs, um, programs, we are now at the whim of other department scheduling. As state of post policing evolves, it is crucial that not only is Atlanta up to date with the training, but leading the way of 21st century policing. Thank you all for your time today. Now, I don't actually disagree with anything that guy said, and thank you, sir, for signing on to work in. The APD. My question would be not to him, but to the Atlanta Police Foundation. You you want to invest all this money in police training. Well, why have you allowed for the current facilities to fall into disrepair? And, and how do I trust you that you're going to be there to see to it along with the city of Atlanta and its immense, now $67 million at minimum, investment in another facility, how do I know that this next facility won't as well fall into disrepair? The double whammy being that this facility will take away tree canopy that the city desperately needs for clean air. And by the way, it's a very hazy day today in Atlanta. I don't, I, I don't think you can lose sight of that. It's a very hazy smoggy kind of day in the city of Atlanta as we've gotten back to, and I'm sure beyond, pre-COVID 
traffic levels. Summer vacation season is is in full gear, so our highways are clogged. Our our airport is at max capacity. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty kind of <laughs> sort of day in the city of Atlanta. It's sunny. There's not a whole lot of cloud cover, but it's very smoggy today in the city of Atlanta. And maybe some of that has to do with uh, the wildfires in Canada. I don't know. I haven't really you know done my homework on that. I just thought I'd point out it's a pretty hazy day in the city of Atlanta as this kind of conversation is being had, right? Anyway, I did catch a lot of audio today, so I'm going to share as much of this as possible. And it, again, it's overwhelmingly anti-training facility in Southwest Decap. Uh, let's start first from uh, this spokesperson from the NAACP. To the members of the Atlanta City Council, my name is Gary Spencer. I serve as senior counsel to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, and I'm a resident of District 12, where my council person is the Honorable Antonio Lewis. On behalf of the LDF, I urge the City Council to reject funding for the Atlanta Public Safety Training Center, also known as Cop City. To be certain, what you are voting on today is a military facility. The proposed compound would make a mock city for training in urban warfare tactics, as well as burn buildings and shooting ranges. The policy, the policing promoted by this facility would not make Atlanta safer. In fact, it will put our communities, particularly our black and brown communities, in significant danger. Research shows that as police forces in the United States become more militarized, they become more violent. This is not only because of greater access to high-powered weapons and war zone training, but it is also because militarization instills a culture that permits and even encourages a greater use of force. It leads officers to, to, officers to develop an us-versus-them mentality that can lead them to view community members as the enemy. As this culture grows, police increasingly use the military tactics that de to deal with low-level offenses. SWAT teams become relied upon to execute routine search warrants. A 2018 report by the National Academy of Sciences found that militarized police deployments have little to no effect on crime or officer safety. They do, however, have severe and deadly consequences for our citizens, especially black people. Those of us who were around recall that this sort of raid led to the killing of 90-year-old Katherine Johnston by Atlanta police in 2006 after officers obtained a search warrant based on false information, raided her home, shot, her, shot at her 39 times, hitting her five times. In 2008 in Lima, Ohio, an entire SWAT team was sent to execute a simple arrest warrant for a man suspected of selling drugs. They broke down the door, quickly fired shots, and killed an innocent bystander, Tarika Wilson, as she held her 14-month son, her child, in her arms. In 2011, after police in Framingham, Massachusetts conducted an undercover drug purchase, they sent an entire SWAT team to the home of the, sus the suspect's father-in-law. The suspect was arrested outside the home, but the SWAT team decided to raid the house anyway. They battered the door, deployed flash, deployed flash grenades, and fatally shot Yuri Stamps, a 68-year-old man who was sitting in his living room watching a basketball game. In 2010, 
a Detroit SWAT team threw a flashbang grenade into the home that was not even the target of the search. An officer entered and within seconds fatally shot seven-year-old Ayanna Stanley Jones. These are the policing tactics that you are voting on today. It may come as no surprise to you that all the victims I mentioned are black. Militarized police are disproportionately deployed in black communities. People of color are subjected to military-style drug raids at an overwhelmingly disproportionate rate. SWAT teams are also more likely to be sent to execute a search warrant if the target is black. In 2014, the American Civil Liberties Union analyzed 16 jurisdictions and in every one they found that black people were more likely to be impacted by a SWAT raid than white people, often by a large margin. So today's vote is not simply about constructing a facility. It is about perpetuating militarized policing that will endanger the lives of our residents, our visitors, and put the black people and the brown people in Atlanta at a heightened risk of police violence. It is telling that such a facility is proposed on this particular site where the Muscogee people were forcibly driven from their homes, where black people were enslaved and forced to labor on a plantation, and where a prison labor camp operated for most of the 20th century. This location has a solemn history of state-sponsored violence against black and native people, and that legacy must be remembered and ended. Building this facility will not commemorate that history, but will perpetuate it. LDF urges the council to vote no on funding this militarized police training facility and instead make investments that are necessary to create true public safety. Invest in affordable housing. Invest in affordable health care, including health, mental health care. Invest in economic security and healthy environments and the quality of education for the children who live here. Invest in these services and in a solution that will make Atlanta safe for everyone. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So we do have more audio from today's public comments uh, at Atlanta City Council, inside City Hall today. There's just a ton of this audio. Unfortunately, I only get 44 minutes a day, so you're going to get about as much of it as I can possibly give to you. We do actually have a spokesperson from the Muscogee Nation who uh, you'll hear from later in the show. Also, uh, a friend, close friend of Amy St. Pierre, one of the people who died in the Midtown Mass shooting a few weeks ago. She had some pretty strong words for Mayor Andre Dickens, citing her friend in his op-ed piece in the AJC. So we have a lot to get to, more to come after the break here on The Ron Show, on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, and wherever you podcast. Welcome back to The Ron Show for Monday so today, a lot of public comment, again, before Atlanta City Council at Atlanta City Hall with regards to the Atlanta Public Safety Training Facility. The funding is what's up for debate today. The price tag coming up for a vote, I should say, as, by the way, the taxpayer portion of this tab has grown to $67 million. A little later, you're going to hear from Shannon coffrin Gajero, a friend of Amy St. Pierre who was killed in the Midtown Mass shooting a few weeks ago. She takes issue with Mayor Andre Dickens invoking the memory of St. Pierre in trying to bolster his argument for this training facility as it was printed in the AJC via op-ed a few weeks ago. 
Shannon didn't get that opportunity to have her op-ed printed in the AJC because the AJC decided not to, but the Atlanta Press Collective did. We shared that at Twitter, at RonShowATL. First friend of the show, Dr. Jacqueline Eccles from the South River Watershed Alliance. Council members, my name is Jacqueline Eccles, and I'm board president of South River Watershed Alliance, a position that I've held for 12 years, um, but for longer than 25 years, the organization has worked to improve the community and the environment uh, along the South River and its tributaries in the city of Atlanta, particularly the city of Atlanta and DeKalb County, uh, particularly South DeKalb County. The proposed, the proposed police training facility is racist to its core because it targets black communities. The decision discriminates the decision to build the police facility there, discriminates against the affected communities in policymaking, in the enforcement of regulations and laws, and targeting communities of color for the siting of toxic and polluting industries resulting in disproportionate harm. These documented violations check all three environmental racism boxes. South River Watershed Alliance's message to the mayor and the city council is simple and undisputed. Stop the racism. In urban areas, people do not exist separately from their environment. The two are inextricably linked. As the environment goes, so goes the community. It's physical and mental health, it's environmental health, it's quality of life, and general well-being. Urban areas are where most black people and other people of color in this country live. It is the responsibility of local government to ensure equity and fairness in decision-making for its most vulnerable and marginalized citizens and communities. That's your responsibility. Local governments invest in communities primarily through parks and green space because these amenities contribute to health and wellness, general quality of life, and increased property value. The primary source of wealth for most people, especially black people. Mm -hmm. It does not take a 171-acre police facility, and yes, it's a 171-acre, not the 85 acres as reported at nauseum via local news. Check the land disturbance permit approved by DeKalb County, and then you'll know for sure. A facility now projected to cost $67 million at last count in taxpayer dollars to train, per Mayor Dickens, a total of 2,000 police, EMS, and firefighters. The cost-benefit math just doesn't work and makes no sense, especially when you're talking about irrevocably disrupting the lives and financial well-being of 
countless thousands of marginalized citizens. The 1965 Voting Rights Act was important for a number of reasons. Most importantly, because it gave black people the opportunity to vote for an elected and elect representatives who look like them, who have traveled the same road and fought the same fight. That's you, Atlanta City Council and Mayor Dickens. If you can't be depended upon to do the right thing by the black community, who can the black community depend on? Discrimination that affects one black community affects all black communities because we are all in the same fight. The legislation before you will exacerbate ta the tax burden inequity in this city that falls upon the marginalized and poor, the increase in taxes for this facility most, the increase in the taxes for this facility uh, will force many of its vulnerable citizens out of the city. Last I checked, there is no money in the proposed legislation to replace green space that has been stripped away. Send the funding legislation for this police training facility before you today back to finance and, CD and CDHR committees for a fair and equitable review and decision. I will end this statement like I began. Stop the racism. Thank you. Thank you. It's Dr. Jacqueline Eccles from the South River Watershed Alliance. More audio from today's public comments before Atlanta City Council at Atlanta City Hall. We'll hear from the Muscogee Nation. Also, Shannon coffrin Gajero, a friend of Amy St. Pierre's, who takes umbrage with Mayor Andre Dickens using Amy's death in the Midtown mass shooting as a pillar for his argument for the Atlanta Public Safety Training Facility. We have more of that to come on The Ron Show here on America One Radio or wherever you podcast. Follow The Ron Show on Twitter at RonShowATL. The Ron Show on America One Radio. More audio from today's public comments hearing before Atlanta City Council at City Hall today. Hundreds in line to say their piece about the Atlanta Public Safety Training Facility. The overwhelming majority, by the way, Again, against. Although, if you follow Atlanta's official Twitter account, you would think that, well, only two people spoke and they were both pro-Cop City. Uh, no, not the case. And really, should the city's official Twitter account be mm, doing that? We could debate that on another day. I've got too much audio to get to. So let's go to the Muscogee Nation. Chabon, Colonel, Choho, Chif, Hello, Bikinidia Dolwa, Chogothako Legat. Hello, Gogi, I'm a legate on Ambozit Chimalegadet. No go sogados. Moment, Hyomet, Omajalegadadi, Yan Abogadi, Ahakat, the Chagis, Ano Gitska, Iaskidat, Athakwetka, Idemochagidat, Dat Arhogadi, Estejad Elgate, Inhadjitska, Apogadi. Aha Githit, Chayofan, and Fulidan Madan, Ahaka Summit, Fulip Bagis, Estajad Estamasko Gogi, Estajad Elge, Fulagan, Athakweja, Fulidois. I want to just thank you for this moment, and I thought it was very important that you heard something in the first language of this land that you now stand on.
What I shared in our Muscogee language is my name is Chabon Colonel. I come from our Muscogee people. I'm a traditional practitioner and a member of our ceremonial community. I hold a traditional chieftainship with our people. I have worked very diligently over the past many uh, two years working specifically on educating the public of the dangers of the building of a cop city. I have worked diligently to try to educate um, and remind the peoples of these territories now of who the original inhabitants of these lands were and are. And so today, as I stand here before you, I take it very serious because this is my first time introducing myself to each one of you. And I take it very seriously, even as I look at you, trying to see you eye to eye. And I pray and hope that you're trying the same way to see me eye to eye. And so on behalf of myself, one of the things that I shared in my language was who I am and what clan I'm a part of. I come from the Wind People, which is the Hodogogi, whose clan was born in these territories right now that we stand in, whose territories are still, my ancestors still exist here. Thousands upon thousands of years, millennia upon millennia of existence, they're still here. And so I thought it was important that I see each one of you, because let me be the first one to welcome you onto Muscogee land. Mm. Today, there's many things that have brought me here. The first is as a spiritual practitioner. Some of the things that we do, some of the things that we worship and the ways that we talk in our language, we refer to things that grow in these forests that surround you. We refer to these things that uh, inhabit these, uh, these territories here and have done so for centuries. Any time we have to realize, any time that we destroy one life of a natural forest, a tree, a plant, any type of biodiversity, you are having a profound impact on your well-being but even more so, and this is what's very sad for me to, to speak to you about, you're even having a more profound impact on your generations yet to come. Your children and your grandchildren are going to bear the brunt of the decisions that you are now making. Or should I say, as I've listened to my relatives here, the decisions that you are neglecting to make. That the time has come. I just came off a call. Just a couple of weeks ago with some of our leaders from not just in Georgia, not just in the U.S., but across the world, talking about the need to protect biodiversity, is that today, 97% of our natural world has been destroyed and impacted by human disruption. I want to say that again because, you know, it might go in one ear and out the other. I don't know. I don't know you yet. Maybe one day we'll talk some more about this. That means 3% of the entire world is in its natural state right now at this moment. And if I, if I could just speak bluntly for a second, I think everyone here breathes air, drinks water, and has to have food. And as I say at places across the world, let's see how long that we last without those things. This earth mother that we walk upon has been gracious to us and has always provided those things. Even a few year, years ago, my office with the United Methodist Church, I was able to go and commemorate the waters that come here and feed millions upon millions of people a day and gave a prayer and an offering on behalf of the Muscogee people. It was under the previous administration, but I won't get into those details just yet. But I still was given that opportunity where the entire city of Atlanta recognized that moment because at the end of the day, we all do share like goals. 
We want a safe community. We want a place that we can go and enjoy ourselves and live life to the fullest. We don't want harm in relatives. I do have a relationship through my connections. I, I am a part of the Methodist structure. I have been a part of the United Nations uh, Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues. I have been with conversations of human rights all across the world. I have walked with refugee camps in other parts and other nations of indigenous peoples. I've seen situations just like what we're going through here in other countries. I've seen things going on where people have been killed just like what we're trying to say should never happen here all over the world and I don't want that to increase. Every time in these countries I shared with them, no matter what, how you slice it, the increasing of more militarized mechanism never establishes a peaceful society, no matter what. Yep. It never accomplishes what your hopes, what your arguments are. Mm -hmm. In fact, it does quite the opposite. In fact, our community, we are already living through the living proof of that at this moment. Today, I think it's obvious I don't support Cop City. Today, I think it's obvious I do want a future for all of our children. I have never, ever, never, ever considered myself a non-resident of these territories. The day that you can remove all of my ancestors and our remains and everything that our funerary objects from the earth around us, then maybe, now I won't even think about it then. This is my home, and I've told my children I want to come back home one day. I came here many weeks ago talking, teaching, and in fact, over the, the, my 10 years of doing this active work of educating, I've been in our school systems here in Atlanta. I've been in our preschools talking and sharing a little bit about Native American people. I've been and given everything that I could possibly, possibly give to say there's a better way for us to live together in all of our diversity. Now my hope, this is my first time with you. Will you listen to that? Mm. Vote no. Stop, tear up the contract like our relatives said. Drop the charges against persons who are doing what is something that is right. You are creating a world where only those people can survive. You can only do that if you can afford to do so. You're not protecting the vulnerable. Two years ago, when I began another journey here in the city of Atlanta, I was asked to come and do a cultural exchange. We went to the Wilani Forest. We went and shared with each other. I said, I'll come. I'll bring members of the Halabi Kanadi Ceremonial Ground, which now resides in Oklahoma because of dispossession. We all came here. Over 30 people of the Muscogee Nation came here. We visited our sacred mound sites at the Okmulgee Mounds. We went everywhere we could. We had our children here. I think we had about 12 little ones that traveled with us to sites that they had never seen before. And that day we had over 500 people come to the Wilani Forest Park to be with us and to fellowship, to break bread together, to, to hear language and songs that haven't been heard in that forest for hundreds upon hundreds of years. We did it together. A few months ago, when we were trying to get the world to see the dangers of what Cop City brings to this earth, I told my nine-year-old son, I said, I got to go back. I got to go share just a little bit. And he said, Daddy, I don't want them to tear down the forest. And I said, son, 
I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure they don't. The good thing is that as much as you think, we're not in control of things. The earth will still be here when Cop City falls. The earth will still be here when your, your term expires. And she'll recover. But unfortunately, it's the human species. It's the human species that will suffer. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm here today. Because I don't think any of us want anybody to die. Anybody to have polluted water. Anyone to have microplastics in their body. Anyone to go down this path that we're forced to live. We want, we want a better way. And so today I ask that you stop. And that at least if you never see another Muscogee person again, I'm standing right here. And let, let it be known, I do not support this. Let it be known. And viva, viva, So Thank you. there you go from the Muscogee Nation itself. Now, I want you to hear the words of Shannon Coffrin Gajero, who sent an op-ed in response to Mayor Andre Dickens' op-ed that summoned the memory of Amy St. Pierre, one of the victims in the Midtown mass shooting. She sent that op-ed to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, owned by Cox Media Group, Cox Media Group, a donor to the Atlanta Police Foundation. The AJC did not publish that op-ed. The Atlanta Community Press Collective, however, did. She spoke today. My name is Shannon Coffrin Gajero. I came here today to actually hold the mayor and this body accountable for the absolutely awful way that y'all are politicizing the death um, of my friend Amy St. Pierre. Dickens is using her death in an attempt to drum up support for this deeply popular, deeply unpopular uh, project. And when he wrote his op-ed, um, he exploited Amy while simultaneously erasing her. Her name is not once mentioned once in his piece. And Matt Westmoreland, I saw you like it, resharing it. I see people up here that liked it and reshared that. Unacceptable, unforgivable. Mm. The same day, the AJC released another op-ed written by Bill Torpy, disparaging and dismissing the hundreds of us who participated in eight hours of historic public comment. Sure did. He's accused us of being everything from vagabond out-of-towners, yep. I'm from Atlanta, privileged transient warriors, mm -hmm. and Twitterverse activists. Mm -hmm. Y'all liked that too. Miss mm -hmm. Gagero, I'm sorry, you have four minutes. Oh, I found that once. Another one. I apologize. Wonderful. Okay, so our community, my community, is already reeling and grieving from the loss of my beloved friend. There is a compounding hurt of having to bear witness to her death being used to support Mayor Dickens' regressive vision of public safety, a vision Amy did not share. So I submitted a version of this op-ed to the AJC, and guess what, y'all? They wouldn't publish it. Who published it was the Atlanta Community Press Collective. I want to give shout-outs and all love to the independent journalists that are here today and that have been representing the people when the Atlanta way is silencing our voices. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Amy. I met her through Resource Generation, which is a community of young people with wealth and or class privilege. And we went on to realize we were neighbors, our kids were going to go to the same public school, that our parents even lived across the street from one another. And that made us fast friends. But what ultimately bound us together was our deep commitment to creating a better world for our children. She joined me as a member of Solidaire, which is a community of individuals with access to wealth who organize for movements for social justice. She was one of the most politically rigorous, gigantic-hearted humans I ever got the privilege to learn from, 
And that is why, in the wake of her devastating loss, I feel compelled to speak out and correct this terrible narrative that y'all are pushing out about her. At the press conference, y'all talked about Mayor Dickens and the Cobb County Police Chief painted the picture that it was officers who were the heroes of the day. Dickens' distasteful op-ed was published two weeks after her death. And it was following unprecedented public outcry against this facility. It's not far-fetched to assume he doesn't mention her, her by name because she was known to oppose Cop City. Artwork by her first grader, which, which reads Stop Cop City, decorates my office. We went to the rallies together. Rather than thoughts and prayers, or worse yet, increased funding for policing, you want to know what Amy would want? Amy would call for investment in things that actually create public safety. Housing, education, health care, and social services. She dedicated her life to the study of what actually keeps people safe. I would say, she would say, send that, now $67 million, to policing alternatives and diversions instead. Her life work was dedicated to public health. And sadly, it was easier for Dion Patterson, the man who tragically took her life, to get a gun than proper, adequate mental health care. If the mayor truly wants to honor Amy St. Pierre, which I know he does not, he will stop using her death as an excuse for increased policing and surveillance. But I don't expect the mayor to listen, and I clearly don't expect y'all to listen. So I'm here to talk to the people and ask you to join me as community members in advancing Amy's vision of a safer, more just society by advocating for common sense gun laws and investments in housing, education, health care, and social services. Together we can honor Amy's legacy and achieve her vision of public safety together. And I wish my council member, who will not ever return my emails or phone calls, Alex Juan, I wish he was here. I'm using every piece of social capital I have. He knows my auntie. He knows people in my family. We have supported him. He is missing in action. And yes, I have now burned a social bridge between me and my other council member, Matt Westmoreland, because I am done with the niceties. I do not need your cell phone number. I need y'all to listen. And the people in my community, Matt, are saying stop Cop City. And so your seat, honey, is not safe. Thank you. Again, that's Shannon Coffran-Gajero defending the honor of her friend, Amy St. Pierre, who passed away in the Midtown mass shooting. Amy was invoked, not by name, but by story, in Mayor Andre Dickens' op-ed that appeared in the AJC. Ms. Gajero penned a counter-op-ed that the AJC has refused to publish, but the Atlanta Press Collective did. We shared that at Ron Show ATL on Twitter. So we have a little bit more audio from today. And it, by the way, it's still going. I've been, it's still going on. It was, what, eight plus hours last time. I'm sure it'll go that long again. So we'll have more audio from today's public comments period before Atlanta City Council. So more on show to come on the America One Radio app or wherever you podcast. Final segment for the Ron Show Monday. And with all the public comments that we snatched from today's open forum at Atlanta City Council inside Atlanta City Hall, I'm going to give you, of all people, I'm going to give you some Chase Oliver audio. But I will point out there's been a lot of heat, a lot of smoke thrown at uh, Senator Reverend Senator Raphael Warnock, Senator John Ossoff, neither of whom have waded into the Cop City conversation until this weekend. Uh, let me point out, first of all, that it wasn't on Senator Ossoff's 
Twitter page, but his personal Twitter page, that the senator made a statement after the arrest of the Atlanta Solidarity Fund volunteers. And in that thread, he said, while protecting public safety, state and local officials must uphold vital constitutional rights to free speech and peaceful assembly, as well as due process and legal counsel. While the facts of the case are not fully yet known, the prosecution announced last week of Georgians reputedly engaged in legal aid activities demands scrutiny. Proponents and opponents of the proposed Atlanta Police Training Center continue to engage in vigorous advocacy. While most advocacy has been peaceful, an extremist minority has engaged in violence that cannot be tolerated. It is important that the response of government to the violent few not intimidate or infringe on the constitutional rights of those engaged in nonviolent protest and civil disobedience. In the strongest terms, I urge peace, nonviolence, and restraint as the Atlanta City Council continues its deliberations. Most of the response to that tweet were, okay, better late than never. Friend of the show, Alex Joseph, did respond. Thank you, Senator Warnock and uh, Ad Ossoff, for your statements condemning the recent arrests of organizers of a local bail fund. I hope y'all can... I hope y'all come out against Cop City soon. Senator Reverend Raphael Warnock did tweet on his official Senate Twitter account. While we still don't have all the details, as a pastor who has long been engaged in justice work, I am concerned by what we know about last Wednesday's show of force against the organizers of an Atlanta bail fund and the questions it raises. These tactics, coupled with the limited public information provided so far, can have a chilling effect on nonviolent, constitutionally protected free speech activities for those of us in the fight for justice have been engaged in for years. Protests must remain peaceful. Violent protests are rightfully condemned in principle and prosecuted in our laws. The work of bail funds and providing support and legal representation has been critical to moving our nation forward, including during the civil rights movement and in the years since. I'm proud that it is part of the Ministry work that I and my church have been engaged in since long before I was ever elected to office. The images of the raid reinforces the very suspicions that help to animate the current conflict, namely concerns Georgians have about over-policing, the quelling of dissent in a democracy, and the militarization of our police. This undercuts the critical work that is necessary to build trust between law enforcement and the communities they serve. And I look forward to learning more about why these tactics were necessary. I am closely monitoring this situation, including exploring how the federal government can provide accurate guidance about what a federal, quote, domestic violent extremist designation does and does not mean, and how to respect the rights of peaceful protesters as well as all American citizens who, by constitutional right, are presumed innocent until proven guilty. We must remain committed to human and civil rights. We can both strengthen public safety and uphold justice. I'm also going to keep talking and listening to local leaders clergy, activists, and advocates as the conversation surrounding the training center continues. We must stay dedicated to building trust between law enforcement and the communities they serve. I'm committed to this ongoing work. Similar responses to that tweet. Better late than never. Thanks for coming aboard. Yada, yada, yada. Unfortunately, I only have two minutes left, but I'll give you a taste of what uh, former Senate candidate, Libertarian Chase Oliver, had to say earlier today. My name is Chase Oliver, and I want to remind people I'm a member of the Libertarian Party, and the reason why I say that is because it's once again need to be reminded that this is not a left versus right issue. This is a right versus wrong issue when we talk about Cop City. What you have done is you have betrayed the trust of your constituents. You lied to us when you told this was only going to be $31 million. It's now costing twice that, and even if it were costing half that, it would be a waste of taxpayer money. 
We already have facilities to train our police, and it would be far less expensive if you just wanted to retrofit that mm -hmm. instead of clear-cutting forests to create this facility. If you really cared about fiscal responsibility and using the people's taxpayer money wisely, you would not be buying back $36 million worth of land that you gave away for practically nothing. So I'm here to talk about not just the injustice that Cop City brings, but what militarization of police brings to us. Mm. I was in the streets in summer of 2020 when we were peacefully protesting the murder of George Floyd, the murder of Breonna Taylor and others, and it was the Atlanta police who decided to bring the tanks rolling down the street and who decided to call in the National Guard. It was y'all who corralled us. It was y'all who were pepper, uh, pepper spraying and tear gassing us. It was the police who were pulling people out of their cars and arresting them for no reason other than the fact they were lost on the night of the protest. And so what does the police get in reward for that? $67 million of taxpayer money to fund your facility? That's ridiculous. I don't think it's right to be giving you $1 until you restore trust with the people. And the way you do that is pretty simple. You do that by ending qualified immunity for the Atlanta City Police so that we can get our day in court when we're done wrong. He goes on to talk about how taxpayers foot the bill uh, because of qualified immunity when police officers do wrong instead of officers having to carry liability insurance. He talks about how uh, the laptops that they use are in disrepair, keys falling off, et cetera. Well, he's not wrong. He's absolutely not wrong. Unfortunately, I am low on time, so I don't get to give you his entire spiel, but I will share the YouTube link from Atlanta City Council's Open Forum. I'm telling you, it's going to be hours long. Enjoy it. Uh, or skip ahead and you know go back and forth if you wish, so you can hear all of Chase and the overwhelming majority who spoke out against the Atlanta Public Safety Training Facility. All right, so when we're back tomorrow, I presume City Council will have had a vote on the funding mechanism for this public safety training facility and maybe we'll have more to discuss or maybe this will be a victory for the anti-cop city movement in which we'll have more to discuss about that as well that'll be tomorrow 5 to 6 p.m on the america one radio app america one radio.com or wherever you podcast you'll get show notes and more of all of our episodes at ronshowatl.com see you tomorrow